With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Block Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to the latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. We're coming to you live from St. Petersburg, Florida. We are at the Grants Managers Network Conference. It's a pleasure to be here uh, with all of my colleagues here. And this is the eighth annual conference uh, for those of you who are familiar with the Nonprofit Coach and for those of you who are new, as the announcer just said, this is a live call-in show, and I see the switchboard is lighting up, so make sure that you do press number one to let me know that you would like to ask a question when we get to our page two uh, experts today here live at the Grants Managers Network Conference. You can also join us over in the chat room. I see folks over in the chat room. You can ask questions there. You can also email me your questions at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we always start with page one news. And over here on page one news, you can follow along over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links, and I think very appropriate for today, the first item up on page one news comes to us from the Grants Managers Network blog, and you'll find over in the blog that the IRS is going to be speeding up public disclosure of groups that lost their charity status. You can read all about that in the radio links today. Of course, we've covered this topic extensively here on the Nonprofit Coach, and are very pleased to have this update from the Grants Managers Network blog. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach in the radio links over at tedhart.com, you will receive a free ebook from HubSpot. This is a step-by-step guide to LinkedIn's company pages. 
Now, as we've shared with you here on the Nonprofit Coach many times, uh, the six pillars of success for nonprofit organizations online uh, does include LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the third most important element for success online for nonprofit organizations, and part of your success on LinkedIn is to create your company page. Well, now today you can get a free ebook on a step-by-step guide on how you can create your LinkedIn company page over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Next up here on page one comes to us from PR Daily. And I'm, I'm just, as you know on this show, I'm a, a huge fan of Dr. Seuss. And any of the uh, words of wisdom that come to us from Dr. Seuss is always worth showing here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, so from PR Daily today, we have the 15 social media tips from Dr. Seuss. Who knew that Dr. Seuss had social media tips? Uh, but in fact, he does. And one of them I'm going to share with you, and you can go to the radio links and read all 15, is that today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And, of course, in social media, being you is true. So over in uh, the radio links, you can get all the wit and wisdom of Dr. Seuss in the 15 social media tips from the nonprofit coach. I'm very pleased to bring to you the next element here on the Nonprofit Coach in page one uh, because we get so many questions here on the Nonprofit Coach on appropriate wording for gift receipts, uh, for uh, fundraising campaigns, scripts for various campaigns, advertisements, things of that sort. Well, the very smart folks over at supportingadvancement.com have sent us a link to an absolutely outstanding, and I'm looking at the page right now, it is almost endless, hundreds and hundreds of sample documents that you can download uh, from friends letters to gift receipts, mailing letters, major gift campaigns, membership, uh, board of directors, uh, nomination letters, all sorts of documents that good, well-run nonprofit organizations who are serious about fundraising need to have, and this is all free of charge, over at uh, the radio links at tedhart.com in uh, the radio links today. And this comes to us from supportingadvancement.com. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, Page One News, uh, comes to us today from GuideStar. GuideStar uh, has just announced yesterday uh, the Nonprofit CEO Compensation Data uh, and this is available to you in infographic style, so it's very easy uh, to read. Um, and what you will be able to learn is how gender, program area, and metropolitan area are affecting salaries in the nonprofit sector. Uh, one of the things that I noted as I was reading through this information is that only 17% of the organizations uh, that are in this report since 2000 um, have, that have budgets over $50 million have females as their CEO. Uh, so we are certainly out of balance in our sector uh, with women heading up large charitable organizations. Uh, but for all of you out there that uh, are looking for a raise, all of you who are wondering if your salary uh, is uh, in, uh, appropriate to your metropolitan area, uh, they do list uh, the top 10 metropolitan area and the median uh, for uh, total compensation uh, for CEOs for nonprofit organization. And, uh, and I'm just going to say uh, I'm very sorry to all of our colleagues in Denver, Boulder, Colorado. You have the lowest compensation uh, for the top metropolitan areas. I'm very, very sorry. We hope you can work on that and not be uh, at, at the end of that list. Um, the next thing I want to share with you here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is the big Digital Leap Conference uh, that we help sponsor. Uh, this will be in, held in Toronto on Thursday, May 2nd. 
that is uh, co-sponsored with Stephen Thomas and is a big digital conference. Uh, this is the uh, uh, fourth year uh, for Digital Leap, Digital Leap 2013. Uh, you can uh, find that at digitalleap.org or over in the radio links today uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Now, we've got a big show for you here today. As I said, we're coming to you live uh, from the Grants Managers Network Conference uh, here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And for that reason, because we've got so many callers and so many terrific guests, and I see all of you over in the chat room as well, uh, we're going to run right on over to page two. I'm going to start off by welcoming, I, I think, as my co-host for the show today, uh, Michelle Grenier uh, is uh, joined the Grants Managers Network as its very first executive director in May 2008. She's a long-standing member of the Grants Managers Network, serving on the board of directors from 1996 to 2001, and is co-chair uh, from 1998 to 2001. Welcome here to Nonprofit Coach Michelle Grenier. Thank you so much. We're very pleased that you could be at our conference, much less uh, have us participate on your radio show. Thank well, I'm, so I'm thrilled to be able to be here. Thank you for inviting us. And uh, as my listeners know, I also serve as CEO of CAF America. Uh, and CAF America is one of the exhibitors this year and one of the sponsors uh, for this conference. And we're absolutely thrilled. And I have to say, uh, one of the things that, that is always very important at a conference is, of course, food. Uh, and, uh, and, and I knew that I was with a group of people who knew how to plan really good conferences when I saw chicken and waffles last night <laughs> at, at, uh, at the reception. So th this was not your standard boring food. Somebody put thought into this conference, and, and I'm very, very pleased with that. So I'm going to start off, um, actually, Michelle, because uh, for a lot of my listeners around the world, they may not be familiar with the Grants Managers Network. Um, so can you start off as executive director and tell us what's this group all about. Sure, thank you. Um, the Grants Managers Network um, has two components to its mission. One is to improve the knowledge, skills, and abilities of grants managers, and then to improve grant making by promoting effective practices. And so, of course, the first question is, well, what's a grants manager? Um, and so if you think about, and grants managers are the people that focus on how grants get made. So if you think about the board and the senior staff of a grant-making organization as the what people. What are we going to do? What do we want to accomplish with our investments? What strategies are we going to pursue? Um, and then you look at the program officers, program staff as the people who are the who people. They're the subject matter experts. They know the, the great organizations in the field. They're making the recommendations about how to allocate the scarce resources. Our members make it all happen. And making it all happen is, is not all that easy. There's a lot of complexity to doing it right. How does the Grants Managers Network help with that? Well, you'd think it would be a lot easier to give money away than it actually <laughs> is. Um, but it, it covers so many different components from legal and tax compliance to um, process management, customer service for grantees and grant seekers, um, to, um, to the, the back end of a grant, reporting and outcomes and what actually happened. Um, and so we carried our mission by delivering learning programs to members, both in person, like this conference, um, as well as through our 14 regional chapters, which bring people together at the local level to learn and, and, and really learn from each other, both here at the conference and in our regional chapters. And then we have a variety of virtual opportunities for people to learn. We have a very active online community, webinars. Uh, now we have a podcast that we can share. Um, and um, and uh, we, we're really looking at also not only creating our own learning opportunities for members, but how do we connect them to outside opportunities, content that they need to do their jobs, as well as 
um, um, other uh, uh, connecting them outside as well as um, just making sure we're very much aware of what their needs are and how those needs are changing over time. That's terrific. Now, you're the first executive director of the Grants Managers Network. It's never easy to be first, and you've been serving in this role since 2008. How would you say the organization has changed since 2008? Well, we've grown 92% in the past five years, and so we're now at 2,454 members. That was at the end of December, so it's already grown um, even, um, even larger than that. Um, and we've just been changing. We have a, I love our sort of origin story. It just started with two people sitting down and having a cup of coffee and talking about their jobs and being so excited to meet someone who actually wanted to talk in depth about this, um, the, the, the processes and policies and, and how the grants get made that they said, hey, we should reach out to other people. And this happened in New York, and we should reach out to other people. And I got involved when they reached out nationally. Um, and so we've just seen that expansion and that excitement from our members as people find out about us and find out that they're not alone, that there's a whole profession out here, um, and that we've seen the profession also grow because more and more grant makers are recognizing this as a very distinct set of competencies, mm -hmm. a distinct set of knowledge and skills that you need um, to do grant making effectively, and that it is key to, um, to being a strategic and effective grant maker to have this set of skills um, within their organization. Now, we have another uh, person that we want to bring in here on, uh, on the show. Uh, Marcus McGrew is here with us, and he is a director of grants management um, uh, for, at the Kresge Foundation, um, and that uh, you are responsible for developing and streamlining processes, procedures uh, to achieve optimum grant-making operations. But you also have, uh, sir, and, and let me shake your hand because you've, you've just arrived here, uh, welcome to the nonprofit coach, uh, Marcus McGrew. Thank you. We're delighted to have you here, and thanks for the opportunity. We appreciate it. Well, and, and I, I wanted to bring you in on the show because, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for anyone to talk about themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's been incredible growth um, since uh, Michelle became executive director of uh, the Grants Managers Network, and you have a very important leadership role with the Grants Managers Network. So please share with my audience your role and how you've gotten to know Michelle. Yeah, so I am one of two co-chairs of the GMN board, and I got to know Michelle almost as soon as I entered philanthropy, which was 2009. Attended my first conference, was so excited, went back to the Kresge Foundation and wanted to implement everything I heard. And so shortly thereafter, um, actually in 2010, I was invited to join the board. Um, and from there, started to really develop a great working relationship with Michelle, who we see as not only the leader of this organization, but a very vital partner um, to the board in advance in the mission of, of GMN. Well, and I think anyone that you meet feels the same way about uh, Michelle. Um, what would you attribute this incredible amount of success and the growth of GMN in, in really relatively short period of time? Yeah. I, I think our growth is, is all about members. You know, this conference is designed by members for members, and so I think we always keep our members in mind whenever we're rolling out new programs. We're always thinking about what can we do next to continue to build and advance and, and just hone those skills of grants managers so it is member-driven from the top down and bottom up. So that is our growth. You know, and, and that's one of the things since I, I've gotten involved with GMM that I keep hearing, but, but what does by members for members really mean to you, or, or what does the board of directors hope that means to the members? Yeah, I think it means um, not guessing what our members need. I think it, it, it means listening to the voice of members. I think they know best what they need, they know best what their foundations need. They do this work every day, all day, so we never want to 
you know, put forward our opinions without validating what we think our members need. Terrific. We do, uh, 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 Michelle and Marcus, we do have uh, uh, folks holding on the line, so we're going to go to our first caller uh, here live on the Nonprofit Coach. Area code 732, you're live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, do you have a question for our guests? Yes, I do. Um, so I. Uh, what's your name Liz. first? What's your name first? My name is Liz. Um, I'm a grants administrator at FJC in New York City. Um, and my question was, since there isn't really a college you know, degree in grants management, um, how can I keep furthering my knowledge in um, in my career in grants management since, um, you know, things keep happening pretty quickly in terms of the IRS coming out with different um, different notifications and, and things like that. You know, what are my options to uh, keep up with what's going on in the grant sphere? What a great question. Michelle, do you want to start with that? Yeah, sure. Hi, Liz. Um, Hi. Well, I think um, that we've, what we've been focusing on is how the whole sort of realm of adult learning is changing. People aren't sitting in classrooms anymore and learning. How you learn as an adult is you learn from each other. And that's really one of the strengths of the Grants Managers Network, and that's what we hear that uh, members say that's most valuable is the connections you make. Um, mm -hmm. And we're actively looking to connect members who are interested in the same topics, um, to connect members to experts, uh, connect members to learn together. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's really the key, um, and, and connect them both in person but, uh, but really online, because that's how people are learning with the advent of technology and social media. Um, and all this great stuff. So, um, so we're 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 hoping we're doing that now, hopefully somewhat effectively, and really looking at and, and doing actually a planning process this year for how we can um, uh, do that um, in a in a much more expanded and amazing way in the future to serve our members' needs. Marcus, do you have uh, some insight? Very well said. I'll just say visit our website, gmnnetwork.org. Um, you will find uh, ways to connect. Our online community is amazing. And um, while there are different, you know, venues for learning, GMN is a great one, but there are also, you know, universities that have very uh, distinct and specific programs to uh, students who are interested in philanthropy as yourself. Yeah, and, and one of the things that uh, I've been very impressed, and, and by the way, I do want to mention that we do have a link over in the radio links today to the Grants Managers Network uh, website. So uh, for, when you're over there looking at all the other links for today's show, you can go right on over to uh, the Grants Managers Network. Um, do you have a follow-up question, uh, caller? Um, so uh, what kind of volunteer opportunities are there within the Grants grant Managers Network? Um, oh, how can we get more involved? That oh, wow. is wonderful. Uh, we will follow up with you. I can guarantee <laughs> uh, We have nearly 200 active volunteers. We are very leanly staffed. Um, we have four staff people um, and some consultants, obviously, that help us. But really, everything that's done at GMN is done by our volunteers. Um, our volunteers manage, run and manage our regional chapters, and so that's a great way to get connected in New York as well as mm -hmm. other places. Um, they, we have national teams and advisory teams that help us to develop products, um, like Project Streamline, which we can talk about a little bit later, um, as well as the learning program I talked about and the planning. We've got volunteers. We've got, obviously, volunteers on our board right. um, that help us. Now, Liz, you said that you're, uh, you're in New York. I was wondering, uh, Michelle, could you tell us a little bit more about these regional groups that you have? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so our regional chapters meet a minimum of two times a year. The New York groups meet much more frequently, and they actually have a meeting on May 9th, if you're interested, and mm -hmm. I'll be there talking about Project Streamline. 
Um, Great. And, and they focus on sort of two things. One is um, sort of member education or having a learning component to the meetings, and then networking and having sort of that peer-to-peer -peer, um, uh, connection so people can build and deepen relationships that last mm -hmm. beyond that meeting. So they've got people they can reach out to and say, hey, how are you doing this? Or I've got a problem. How can you help me solve it? Have you run into this before? Um, and, just, and just create that community that's so uh, key, the network that's so key to the grants manager's network. Well, that's, uh, that's wonderful. Caller, did you have uh, any other questions for our experts today? No, that's it. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for calling into the uh, Nonprofit Coach. We're live here at the Grants Managers Network in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, back to our, our, our guests here. Uh, we have uh, Michelle Grenier and uh, Marcus McGrew uh, that are here from the Grants Managers Network. And following up on Liz's question, I was wondering if the two of you could speak a little bit about what is a, a career path or you know, someone who's getting involved with the Grants Managers Network, what might happen for them? Where does this education that they can get take them? That is a great question and my favorite question to ask Grants Managers. How did you get into this field? Because it isn't something yet that people sort of sort of think about in, in college or after high school is, hey, this is an area I want to get into. So everybody comes into it from really different ways. Um, I, I came into it, I was in college and needed a, a part-time job, and there was this thing called community relations at a local corporation. I didn't know what that was, but I didn't care. It was administrative work at a, at a, a company. It turned out to be um, the, the group that ran their foundation, uh, managed their volunteer programs, and, um, and it became a career, a lifetime career for me. Uh, Marcus, how did you get into grants management? Yeah, so I came into uh, the industry by really focusing on my, my skill set. I wanted to make certain that I had a very portable and transferable skill set. I did not seek out philanthropy. saw this awesome opportunity that really resonated with my personal values, and that's how I landed in philanthropy. That's great. So um, if people come to this profession in a variety of different ways um, through the education that they can receive uh, through Grants Managers Network. What might happen in their career? Or is it sort of just getting better at what you do? Or is, is there advancement that is typical? Sure. Uh, the interesting thing about um, Grants Managers and our membership is you know, much more of a function than a job title. And so when you talk to our members, they do such a variety of things, and it depends a lot on the type of organization mm -hmm. that they're working for. It may be a very small family foundation where there's one person working there, and they're doing strategy and um, deciding who gets the grants and dealing with the how the grants get made piece that we focus on. It could be a large foundation that has a separate grants management department and has people at more of an entry level and, and kind of builds up to department um, or strategic level. And so there's a, um, people can move from private sector to public sector grant making, federal grant making or state level grant making. Uh, people can move from uh, grants management into running a grants management association. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm going to keep my job for a little while, okay, so maybe yeah. that career path. Yeah. No um, announcement here or anything. Okay. Um, we've had people move from grant making into the program side. We've had program people move into the um, grants management side. We've had people uh, move into consulting. We've had people move into um, the senior level positions and, and the, getting into the strategy of the grants. Um, so it, it's lateral moves. It uh, moves up the ladder depending on the type of organization. We've had a lot of people move. Uh, there's a lot of change happening, too, um, in what we're doing in terms of how grants get made that's brought by technology. And so we're seeing the role of grants managers change from, you might have seen, you know, 20 years ago, paper processors and, and process people to, to information managers and interpreters and, 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 and sense makers of all of the information that a foundation or grant maker has about what it's doing. And so now we're seeing people move 
into roles called knowledge manager. Um, and, and so it's, it's, so we're really thinking about how you know this profession is changing and growing and developing. So mm-hmm. there's just a variety of things you can do once you get into this field. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add to that, Marcus? No, I think it's totally up to you. It's, it's up to you. So it's, it's so new that there are a lot of pathways that are being created right now. Well, and I want to thank you for that. I, I want to kind of dial it back to where we are right now, uh, Grants Managers Network Conference. Um, and this is the eighth uh, annual conference. Um, so how's the conference going? What, who's here? Um, this is day two of uh, so much excitement. And, and be, before you answer that question, I just want to say how impressed I was at how many people, just sort of in those quiet conversations that, that I've had with people, uh, that it's not always easy to get permission to go to conferences today. Um, but there were so many people who said, this is the one I keep. Um, so I'm just wondering if you can kind of reflect on what happens here and how is this bigger, is it growing? What, so why don't we start with Michelle and then, uh, uh, Marcus, maybe you can give us some insight from Kresge's perspective of why do they send people here? Why, why are, is this a conference that they still support? Uh, when we started out the first year, we didn't really know what to expect. So there was about 80 people in a, in a, in a conference room, and they, and it, they had a great time. Now we're up to 470 people. That's a 20% increase from last year. Yeah. Um, and although Did you expect that 20% increase? No, we were, tar- we were hoping for 10%. Okay. Um, and so 20% is a, a wonderful um, uh, surprise, and, um, and so we're, we're hopeful that we'll continue that upward trend. Um, and we um, base the success of the conference, obviously, on the numbers and people mm-hmm. coming, but really on the value that they get out right. of it. And though we don't quite know yet, um, other than anecdotally as we're checking right. in with people in the hall, sure. um, how things are going, we know from last year's conference that 99% of the conference participants that completed our post-conference survey said that they were satisfied and very satisfied mm-hmm. with what they got. And for me, more importantly, um, about 96% of them said that they got something concrete that they could take back and apply in their jobs. And that's what we hear over and over again that's about great. our conference, um, is that it's forward-thinking and looking, but it's really more focused. We're a very practical people, grants managers. We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of um, uh, really time to get away from the office. And so it, it has to be something that you can immediately apply. That's great. Marcus, now I know you listen to a lot of people and try to, uh, you know, keep your, your ear to the ground. What are you hearing about what is really capturing people's imagination at this particular conference? Well, there, there are a number of things, but I'd like to focus on the emerging ideas and things that I think come um, out of these conferences. So I've been to two phenomenal sessions there. If I could just, you know, share that. The, well, please the do, because there's a lot of listeners who won't be yeah. here. So through you, they can kind of uh, get a sense of this conference. Yeah, so the, the most recent one was philanthropy. Can philanthropy change a community's unconscious bias? Phenomenal. You know, it's not something that grants managers typically, you know, deal with on a day-to-day basis, but it's certainly something we can take back to our foundations, to program staff, to the executive office, and really ask those really high-level and tough questions. You know, why are we in this business, and are we making meaningful change as intended? So that was one. And another was um, really philanthropy at its best, you know, by um, National Committee for Responsive Philanthropy. So sort of four criteria uh, to hold foundations and grant makers accountable. You know, are you funding in communities that are highly distressed? Are you helping people of color in minority communities? Mm-hmm. So two exceptional um, sessions today, and I think it really just helps to elevate our thinking and keep us out in front. That's great. That's exciting. Michelle, what um, are the topics that tend to get asked the most or 
because I know you do webinars. There's a lot of different ways that you connect with your members. What are the topics that seem to be burning for most grants managers? Um, a lot around technology. So okay. really, how can I? What are the tools and things out there um, that can help me do my job better? So a lot around grants management systems. That's really core to capturing information. Online board books is a hot topic, and kind of moving, both both for efficiency, but just moving paperless for environmental mm -hmm. reasons and, mm -hmm. and just ease of use. Um, legal and tax compliance. We had Lois Lerner, uh, head of the Exemptic Organizations Division at the IRS, here today talking to our, our membership as our plenary speaker. Um, legal 101, Legal 201. Yeah, how you Talk a little bit about Lois today and, and what messages she had for your audience. Um, she did. She shared sort of what was on her mind in terms of the priorities of the IRS. There's lots of energy right now around revocation um, and the process the IRS went through to, mm -hmm. to... And you've mentioned that on your blog today that yeah. we shared in, in page one today. Yeah, and, um, and so she answered lots of questions around, um, you know, how that process worked, how did you notify people about that. Um, we held a webinar, record-setting webinar in January with the IRS on revocations that um, we recorded and is available too. Um, and so um, she talked about the 990 changes and just the focus of the IRS Exempt Organizations Division on listening, mm -hmm. on as they're making changes and as they're moving forward, making sure that they're taking the time and, and devoting the resources to, um, to, to getting that feedback from the field and how important it is that we respond when they do reach out. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's terrific. We're going to take uh, just a, a short break uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, and uh, when we come back, um, I wanted to um, uh, ask uh, our, our guests here about some of the trends that you're seeing in grant making itself. So uh, we'll be right back here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, over here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach, we just want to draw your attention uh, to upcoming shows, and we're extremely excited about next week's show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, the Blackboard NP Exchange, Nonprofit Exchange, uh, Engage, I'm sorry, experts will be live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, their new ebook that outlines 20 experts in social media for nonprofit organizations has just been released and they're going to be here live on the Nonprofit Coach next week. Then mark your calendar for April 2nd. On April 2nd, Greg McHale will be with us talking about going mobile, going social, and going local uh, for your organization. Then just a programming note uh, that the Nonprofit Coach will be on hiatus um, from uh, April 9th through the 23rd, uh, and uh, that is uh, due to other conferences that we will be uh, attending, including the Council on Foundations Conference uh, and your host's birthday. And I will not be doing the show on your host's uh, birthday, so we will be uh, right back after uh, the uh, April 23rd show here on the Nonprofit Coach. Of course, the entire schedule is available at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. And there I also want to just draw your attention to our LinkedIn group. We, we mentioned earlier how important LinkedIn is. Uh, the Nonprofit Coach does host the People to People Fundraising LinkedIn group. We now have 2,206 members of that group, and these are professionals who are chatting with each other, learning from each other over on the LinkedIn uh, platform. And we just want to uh, welcome our 2,000-2,000th 2000, member, uh, Karen Garrity uh, from Fundraise 
Com in Boston uh, became our 2,200th member of the People to People fundraising group. And, of course, you can join for free at LinkedIn.com or go to TedHart.com and join there as well. We're going to head uh, right back over to the Nonprofit Coach radio show. And we are joined by another friend here on the Nonprofit Coach. I would like to uh, welcome Jessica Beerman, who is with Beerman Consulting. Uh, she works with mission-based organizations, particularly philanthropic organizations. Her work focuses on strategic planning, facilitation, and project research, design, and management to help organizations become more effective and responsive to the communities that they serve. And she has been very, very much involved with a very important project to the Grants Managers Network. So welcome here, Jessica Beerman. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, I'm, I do have uh, sort of my co-host today, uh, Michelle Grenier, is here. So I'm going to ask her to sort of set the stage for, I believe it's called Project Streamline. Yeah. Uh, and then you're going to bring us, uh, bring all the listeners up to uh, speed on why this is important. Sure. So go ahead, Michelle. So, so I've talked uh, a lot uh, during the podcast about the part of our mission that deals with building the knowledge, skills, and abilities of grants managers. But the other part of our mission is that all around approving grant making and effective practices. Um, and the main thing that we've been working on um, to accomplish that is Project Streamline. And Project Streamline has um, sort of a very simple focus, which is um, how do we make grant making work for grant makers as well as grant seekers? There's enormous variability in uh, the practices of grant makers. Um, and so there's a, a joke that I don't, I don't find it funny, but it's, if you've seen one foundation, you've seen one foundation. Um, and what that means from the grant seeker perspective is having to navigate a variety of uh, processes and applications and questions that just take an enormous amount of time away from mission. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been, uh, with Jessica's help, um, doing research um, uh, that started in uh, 2007, really, um, looking at what were the real problems, what were the, the problems in the, the system, the barriers, and what were the solutions to some of this. Mm -hmm. um, and then, de then developing tools and resources um, and ways for people to fix their practices and processes and really raise the awareness of both the need for streamlining um, and the need for, for action um, on, on their part. So we hear the problem, Jessica. What is the solution? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, it's complicated. I mean, I think um, Project Streamline has a fairly narrow focus on how grant makers can minimize the burden on grant seekers while still getting the information that they need to be good decision makers, so, as Michelle said um, so eloquently. And um, initially, in 2007, you know, before GMN even had a full-time staff person, uh, when Project Streamline began, I think there was a little bit of a vision that um, we would just figure out what the problem was and we would unfurl a set of standards for the field, you know, and, um, and that everyone would just jump to comply with those standards. Um, but no. Surprisingly, uh, that's not how it works in philanthropy, and so um, I'm not sure that happens anywhere. But it's a nice thought, especially not in philanthropy, right? And so, um, so, so, given that that didn't seem to be an option, um, Project Streamline has really focused on understanding what is realistic for foundations, which mm -hmm. have all sorts of reasons for their individualistic practices. Mm -hmm. um, and so, we've really focused on making the case. You know, why does it matter? Why should you think about the burden to your nonprofit grant seekers? Um, and then creating very practical, very pragmatic, 
um, some low-hanging, some more mm-hmm. complicated, um, activities that you can do or projects that you can undertake that really do sort of hone. So is this about promoting best practices or at least letting people know what common best practices might look like? I think that is true. Um, I think I also think about it as getting back to the core of what does your organization really care about? Mm -hmm. So what do you really need to know? Mm -hmm. Um, So Project Streamline, um, in the end, came up with four big principles. Oh, wow. Everything that we talk about, you know, from that, sort of cascades from four big principles. So I call it like putting your project streamline hat on. Okay. Um, once you've got that hat on, it's pretty easy to make changes. So okay, I'm just going to uh, let our, our callers know that we are going to get back to our callers. We do see you on the switchboard, uh, but we're going to have you, uh, Jessica share the four first, and then we're going to get to our next caller. Oh, great. Well, the four principles are really simple, um, and they make you sort of slap your forehead. Um, they are, you know, first take a fresh look at application and reporting practices, uh, requirements, Make sure you're only asking for what you need. Um, believe it or not, you know, uh, extra stuff accumulates like barnacles on the side of the ship as your grant-making organization goes through the water. Um, the second is to right-size your application and reporting practices. So they should be appropriate to the size of the grant, um, the type of grant, and also the previous relationship with the grant seeker. The third is to find ways to reduce the burden on grant seekers. And, you know, there's a burden to grant, maker, grant making. Somebody has to make copies. If your board needs copies, somebody has to make copies. Right. Or they have to put it on the iPad or, you know, however you're doing it. Um, grant makers need to ask themselves, you know, how much of that burden can we reasonably take on? Because we have all the power and we have all the money here. The fourth principle is um, to really focus on clear and straightforward communications. And in some ways, you know, communicating clearly what you're looking for, how your process is going to work, and why you need the information you're collecting, you know, that can compensate for a whole lot of other things because grant seekers understand that grant making requires, you know, information, but they sometimes don't have any idea what you're doing with it. Well, I'm sure that it took a lot of work to get to those four principles. We're going to go to our next caller here, and you're live uh, with Michelle and Jessica here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, Area code 310, do you have a question? I do. Hi, this is Allison, and I'm calling from Los Angeles. Um, And I work for an organization, a foundation doing lots of diverse things, and, and grants get made in many diverse ways, and I'm wondering how I can convince my organization to adopt some of the streamlining, streamlining principles for parts of the process that feel a little overbuilt to me. Allison, that's a great question, and I think it really comes down to one of the challenges that we face is there's no um, uh, sort of um, external motivating factor for grant makers to change. Mm-hmm. It has to come from you. And one of the things that we found that resonates is how do your values connect to your practices? And so if and and, and how if, if you're funding and expect your grant seek or grantees to be effective and efficient and use their resources well, are you walking the talk? Are you doing that yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can look at um, concepts um, that um, we've uh, been trying to get out there in the field, like the net grant. What's the actual cost to the grant seeker of getting the money that you're giving away? So how much is really going to help them achieve their mission and their goals, which is what, you, what you're trying to, you mm-hmm. know, what you're funding them for in the first place? Mm-hmm. And Jessica, do you have some things to Yeah, I mean, I love all of that. Um, The one thing I would add is it's really surprising how few grant makers ask their grantees 
and their grant seekers for feedback on their practices. Um, I think in a recent survey, um, 14, uh, grantees, grant seekers said that 14% of their grant makers ever asked them for feedback. Now, that's a very low number, um, especially for a field that is starting to really like and appreciate data. Well, you know, I think one of the most compelling ways to make the case is to uh, do an anonymous survey of your grant seekers and grantees about, with very specific questions about your practice. And uh, grant makers, when they do that, they often find that their online system doesn't work very well for the user. Um, they may find that their budget template, if they use a budget template, um, requires a huge amount of time and effort for the grant seeker to sort of slice and dice their financial information into categories that are not authentic. Um, they may find that they're not communicating as clearly and effectively as they thought they were. And so um, getting that feedback, to me, is a necessary first step for understanding your current status and then, as Michelle said, to really tie that back, what do we want to be about here, and what are we actually about when our practices hit the ground? And sure, and there could be a lot of fear on the part of the grant seeker in even asking those questions, because I, I, I really just want and need that grant, so I don't want to ask questions that are going to get me in trouble. So part of it might be, um, Allison, is what your organization is doing to create an environment where asking questions is okay and is, is not something that is going to necessarily affect the grant. Yeah. And I think, too, just, uh, we're, you know, talking a lot about the burden on uh, grant seekers, but the practices that grant makers have are, are necessary and have value. The grant makers right. need to invest their limited resources wisely. And mm -hmm. so we're not saying at all that, that none of this stuff is good. It's just being more thoughtful and more deliberate mm -hmm. um, and using all the information that you're asking. Exactly. For. And sometimes, uh, Allison, I think looking at how others are, um, what their model looks like and giving your board an opportunity to reflect on that because what I found over uh, over my career and I think this is where as someone had mentioned sort of barnacles that get added to things is is good good ideas or uh, maybe like to haves become must haves yeah. um, so where there may have been a, a, a board member who had a great idea and at that time it was a good idea and we just started doing things that way and now suddenly sort of this folklore has grown up that it must be done that way somehow there's an assumption that maybe there's some legal requirement for that um, and going back to principles and just challenging everything and say, is that required? Is that legal? Is that something that maybe is just our style? And maybe we, we can uh, clean up or revolutionize our style while remaining very compliant with what is legal. And I think nowadays, too, you can get information from so many different places. Does it have to be sent to you by the grant seeker? Mm. I think there's enormous value in looking at the grant seeker's website and, and, and their, how they're presenting themselves, their mission, their history. Are they sharing their financials mm. and all of that? Or how transparent are they? Mm. Rather than asking them to provide it to you, there's mm. uh, services and information like, like on GuideStar, mm -hmm. um, which you mentioned before with their um, uh, compensation survey, where you can go get that information. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's in the nonprofit's best interest to be on there and have their information up to date and complete and you can and as a grant maker you can help reinforce that by, by exactly. adding that to the Well it's so interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that we do at, at CAF America that as as part of our very robust vetting process is look for those inconsistencies where something in a in a grant proposal might be saying, well, we're this or we're that or we're going to do something but then right there on their website is something that just is not conducive to seeing a match between those two. And we feel that for those who grant through us, 
that's a red flag. That's something that at least needs to be described or discussed. It doesn't necessarily mean they shouldn't get the grant, but it, it, there should be some commonality between what is put out publicly and what is in a, in a grant. And, and oftentimes grant seekers or grant managers don't look to that level. Um, and it, that's the sort of thing that I'm, I'm gathering um, is the kind of in-depth thought that you get through Grants Managers Network because there are a lot of folks who are looking at this from a variety of different perspectives because I think as your principles or at least the, the attempt to get to principles found is that there isn't just one right way to get to a really gr good grant experience. There are several ways to get there, but there are guideposts along the way that can help you show that you're on the right path. Yep. Is, that, is that right? Allison, does that come close to um, answering your question? Definitely. Thank did you, you have, so much. Did you have a follow-up follow for our, our experts today? Well, Jessica said something that sort of sparked in my head another question of, you know, folks that have done the grantee perception surveys. I, I wondered if, if you are familiar with or know of anybody who did one of those surveys and then did streamlining, you know, was able to streamline the process, and if they, how they figured out whether or not the streamlining was working. I mean, did they, you know, that they followed the guide or, or committed to the principles? Has there been follow-up to say, hey, this actually is better for our grantees? Yeah, that's a, such a great question. Well, first of all, um, the grantee perception survey often, um, I think, encourages uh, foundations to go and look at their practices. They may not have thought that there were any issues, um, but then, you know, that sort of tips them off that maybe they need to, to think about how they um, do their process. Then they may embark on a streamlining process. And, and I want to note that um, Project Streamline worked with the Center for Effective Philanthropy to develop a free online self-assessment it can be accessed uh, through the GMN website and through projectstreamline.org. So you can sort of begin to benchmark yourself uh, according to those principles um, in relation to other foundations that are in that data set. So one way to look and see if it's made a difference would be to resurvey your grantees um, or, and to retake that self-assessment and look at you know, the extent to which your practices have changed the extent to which the time it takes your grant seekers to apply has, uh, has diminished, um, the extent to which your internal staff feel that they are using their time for more meaningful relationship building or helping their grantees leverage uh, funding or uh, providing technical assistance or all of the other many things that your foundation does to help um, grantees you know, achieve their missions. Um, but there is no, at this point, um, we don't have very good case studies of foundations that have sort of gone all the way through the process and then, and then gone to check and see how it worked well. It's more anecdotal. I think over the next year we're going to be looking for those stories um, so that we really can demonstrate uh, more explicitly the success that we, that we hear is out there. Allison, thank you so much uh, for calling, and perhaps maybe your foundation might become one of those case studies uh, that uh, can help benchmark that. But uh, I, I would certainly say that you're, you're thinking along the right path in utilizing these as guidelines that could help your organization maybe see a new path or put yourself on a different path. I hope that helps you. And, Allison, thank you again for being our guest here on the Nonprofit Coach. Um, so just watching the, the time here, we're going to take a, uh, a quick break here on the Nonprofit Coach just to share some important information. And uh, today uh, the information comes to us uh, from Google Apps. And keeping in mind in the six pillars of success for online nonprofit organizations, uh, Google, YouTube, and the Google services are number six. So take a listen. When you have a great idea and need to work with others to bring it to life, how do you do it? Sometimes it's tough because 
the people you work with are in different places, with different schedules, using different devices. Google Apps lets you bring ideas to life with others. Here's how. Start with email that offers more. Gmail does more than send and receive emails. It connects people and lets you chat instantly while viewing a snapshot of your team's relevant activities and access to everything they shared with you. With Google Docs, there's only one version for everyone to work on. Share easily with the right people without email attachments or compatibility hassles. And work together on the same docs at the same time in a way that simply makes sense. Edit and interact easily with integrated social commenting. Google Calendar makes it easy to share schedules and find times to meet and schedule or update meetings with a few clicks. Everyone can't be in the same place at the same time, but Google Apps lets you work together from any place. With multi-way video chat, you'll feel like you're all in the same room. While screen sharing and integration with Google Docs lets you work with more people from anywhere on any device, even on your mobile phone or tablet. Work with any team at any time, from any place, on any device. Google Apps. Work in the future, today. To learn more, go to google.com slash apps. And we, of course, here on the Nonprofit Coach, encourage all nonprofit organizations to check out google.com forward slash nonprofits for all of the free services that Google provides to nonprofit organizations. We're back here live on the Nonprofit Coach, live from the Grants Managers Network Conference in St. Petersburg, Florida. And Jessica, I just wanted to um, uh, ask you to uh, share with our listeners today, so what comes next for Project Streamline? That's a great question. Well, a couple things. I mean, we've just completed uh, sort of a follow-up scan, taking stock of, you know, has Project Streamline made a difference in the field? And we've learned a lot, and I think part of what we've learned is that um, grant makers that are connected with GMN, certainly, um, and other associations that have been involved with Project Streamline, they're making a lot of changes. They're, they're highly aware of the principles. They get it that there's a burden. Um, those changes are a little slow to come, but they're making changes. Um, one of the biggest changes that grant makers are making is that they're going online, and that's, you know, we're sort of riding a wave of technological change, as, as Michelle has mentioned. Um, but going online doesn't always equal streamlining, and you have to really be sure that your online system uh, works for the user. Mm -hmm. So now that we've got this data, um, we're going to be releasing a report, of course. What else? You know, you've got to release a report. Um, but we're trying to focus very practically on, you know, now we know a little bit more about what makes the biggest difference to grant seekers. And when will this report be released, do you it's, think? Our plan is to release it in April, assuming okay. that, you know, depending on the feedback we get. But we've already got a little teaser out, and um, you can find information about that on the GMN website, also at projectstreamline.org. So we've learned that for grant seekers, some of the things that matter most are that grant makers are accepting proposals and reports electronically through a system that really works, that doesn't do things like shut them out or, you know, have mysterious character limits. Um, 
grant seekers, it really matters to them that they can present their budget and financial information in authentic categories, um, things that they use in their own work. Um, and it matters to them that grant makers filter. They have a way to um, make sure that not everyone who's applying is doing all the work to apply when they have a very small chance of being funded. So those are some really straightforward things that grant makers can do you know, on pretty short order, that make a big difference to grant seekers. Well, and I hope that you'll uh, come back on the Nonprofit Coach when the report is released and tell us all about it and uh, help folks know how they can uh, connect uh, back to that. Um, so back to uh, uh, Michelle, just um, a little bit more about the Grants Managers Network and how listeners, because we, the uh, the listenership of the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show has tripled over the the, the last year. Uh, we now have tens of thousands of listeners live and in podcast. So I'm going to guess that even though your membership has grown tremendously, uh, there's probably more than a few people out there that don't know about Grants Managers Network. How can they get involved? And, and I think more importantly, how should they get involved? Sure. Um, I think obviously we focus on grant makers um, and people who work for grant making organizations. Um, we're, we're somewhat unique in that we have a voluntary uh, due structure so people can join. They can see the, the value of what we're offering and the benefits. We obviously do need to fundraise, uh, but we operate very much as a traditional nonprofit in how we go about doing that. So I think removing that barrier of money and really focusing on the people and getting the network together and adding the, the more value we can add to the network through the people. Uh, mm -hmm. makes it valuable for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think um, so I think uh, that would be what I'd say, is just go to gmnetwork.org and sign up um, mm -hmm. and, and start getting involved. You do have to be employed by a grant-making organization to be a member. Um, and then we'll, we have a, um, a member touchpoint campaign where as new members join, we very deliber deliberately reach out and make sure that they know what we have to offer. Well, I just want to re reflect on that because I have to say that uh, I don't remember the last time that I joined a group that – I had a couple of people actually call me. They wanted to talk to me. Uh, my schedule was not particularly conducive, and they didn't give up. Uh, and I really appreciated the, the fact that they wanted to talk to me uh, and uh, took the time to, to find a chance on my schedule to really share with me about Grants Master Network. That shows to me a, a high level of coordination um, when you've got new members that are treated that special. And we're, we're also a little different than most membership associations in the way that our board's made a very deliberate decision, at least right now, not to, to focus resources on growing. We're focusing resources on um, building um, tools, resources, information, programs for our existing membership. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about the incredible growth that we've had, and it's really from word of mouth. It's members talking to members, getting their colleagues involved, both within and without their organizations. Uh, 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 we obviously ask people as they're registering for the conference or joining, like, where, how'd you hear about us? And uh, someone told me, a colleague, a colleague, a colleague, a colleague. So it's word of mouth is really how, how this organization grows. Um, talk to me a little bit about next year's conference. Uh, it is March 17th um, through the 19th in San Diego, California. Oh, okay. Uh, so we're very excited yeah, about that. With the warm, the warm spot. Okay. <laughs> we do, and we try to move around the country just to make sure it's as accessible as possible. Um, and we'll start pulling our volunteers together in June to start planning that. And, that, and our volunteers really decide the conference content and the sessions mm -hmm. and recruit the speakers and, uh, and make everything happen. Um, and so I think um, the, some of the conversations that are happening at this year's conference, and obviously we ask uh, both the conference attendees as well as um, our membership, what do you want to hear about, what do you want to know about, um, we're really seeing a focus on data, big data, and the, the conversations that are happening throughout the field on um, how does the, the philanthropic sector become part of 
that, the, the changes that you're seeing in government side as well as corporate side, and, and, and really um, creating the, the infrastructure and the tools to, to understand better mm. what we're doing in philanthropy mm -hmm. and what we're accomplishing. And so is, there, I, is there an advocacy role for, for GMN um, for grants? Man, is, is that a direction that, that your organization is going in or not yet? Um, advocacy in terms of our effective practices, so advocating um, that grant makers um, uh, change in mm. terms of um, doing things more efficiently and effectively, yes. Advocacy mm. at the um, sort of policy level, um, not so much. We haven't entered into that area, haven't entered into that field. I mean, the, the things that the, the IRS sort of carries out in terms of 990s and, and, and reputations and things like that are certainly of interest to our members and, mm -hmm. and impact the grant seeker and grantee community. But you see your role as providing education on that, yes. not necessarily uh, seeking to a a affect the outcome of that. Yes, so exactly. it's, it's more when it happens, we report and educate on that as opposed yes. to trying to affect the outcome. Yeah, and let our okay. members know how they, if they want to engage in that. Um, and connect to, to those efforts, definitely, yeah. Okay. And so just walk us through in the couple minutes that we have left. Uh, this is day two yes. uh, of the conference. Uh, so the conference, I think, uh, wraps up tomorrow. Yeah, at, uh, noon noon. at noon tomorrow. Um, so just kind of summarize the conference today and give us a, a sense of the energy that you go into San Diego with. Um, and that is a great term, energy. I mean, you'll, you'll hear the buzz as people come in and out of the sessions. You see people just just meeting and talking and connecting. Um, and that's really where the energy comes from. It's the people, people meeting people and talking to people. I think getting away from their offices and from their desks and being able to focus at a higher level on what they're doing and learn what everybody else is doing um, reinvigorates our membership and reinvigorates um, the people here at the conference. Um, and so I think, um, and so I think that's what um, the energy I'm seeing and, and what's really coming out, and what'll carry hopefully through the year. We we do see obviously there are about 25% of the people here aren't members yet. So we okay. see obviously a spike in membership. We see a spike in people coming to our regional meetings, mm -hmm. coming to our webinars, accessing our resources. I often get, oh, I didn't know that you had that thing, um, or that would be a really useful resource for me. Sure. Um, I also often get, oh, you guys should you guys should undertake a project to streamline grant making. And I say, well, as a matter of fact, fact we have one of let those. Let me tell you yeah. about that. Um, and so I think I think that those con connections to people and connections to the resources that GMM provides um, really um, creates that momentum post conference. And uh, and uh, for for both of you, because I I know that uh, you're you're heading up uh, Project Streamline um, as a, as a consultant with uh, GMN. Uh, if someone wanted to be involved with that project, how would they get involved? Oh, I think um, there are a number of ways, and, and Michelle probably has ideas too, but the first thing that I would say is that we are really eager to hear your stories. So we're eager to hear stories of practices that you would like to streamline because we might have advice or we could connect you to grant makers who have advice, um, and we would love to hear stories of streamlining efforts underway or undertaken and what the impact has been on your internal operations and the meaningful work of your staff, but also for your grantees, uh, what the impact has been on them being able to devote more time to their mission-based activities as a result of the streamlining effort. Terrific. And how can uh, my listeners uh, today here on The Nonprofit Coach connect with, uh, with you, uh, Michelle, and with GMN? Um, we have blogs. We're, we're getting active on social media. Um, the hashtag GMN2013 is our conference. You can follow along at what our, what our attendees are saying about the different sessions and speakers and, and aha moments that they're having. Um, so I encourage you to check that out. Um, 
And um, on our website, too, you can sign up for um, the, uh, our newsletter and information that we push out about what we're doing and, and the products and services that we've got and are developing. Um, and if you join, again, I mentioned we have a very active online community, and that you'll really you'll get um, help if you need, have questions and, and need resources, but also keep up to speed on what everybody else is talking about. What are the big ideas and big That's thoughts? That's great. Well, there's a lot of uh, energy here at this conference for sure. I encourage all of my listeners to check out the Grants Managers Network. I would like to uh, thank personally uh, Michelle and Marcus uh, for inviting me here to have the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show be live from the Grants Managers Network Conference. Uh, this has been the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. We'll be live next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern uh, with the uh, nonprofit uh, experts uh, from the new Blackboard book here live on the Nonprofit Coach. See you next week. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.